Happy Thanksgiving to all of our millions of listeners. We just wanted to actually take a moment and say thank you to all of you. We are grateful and thankful for all of our listeners out there. And hopefully what we do brings you a little bit of joy and pleasure in these difficult times. We hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And the doc just wanted to give her own little note to everybody as well. Doc. Happy holiday to all of you out there. I know that times have been difficult to say the least, and many of us aren't being able to connect in the ways that we're used to. So I encourage all of you to be creative or creative as you can, even though it may not make up for seeing some of your loved ones in person. Set up those Zoom calls, use technology to your benefit, do whatever it is you can to try to get some joy and pleasure out of this holiday. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for that, Doc. And we will be back next Monday with another episode of the University of Pleasure. But until then, here is a repeat episode. One of my personal favorites, The Freedom of Being Filthy. How to Talk Dirty. So enjoy this classic episode from the University of Pleasure. And again, have a wonderful Thanksgiving, everyone, from our families to yours. Take care, and we'll talk to you again next week. Clinical Disclaimer This podcast is focused on education and entertainment. While we love to help and teach, it is not meant to be used as a replacement for clinical services. If you are experiencing significant relationship issues or major concerns in your sexual, physical, or mental health, please seek the services of a professional provider near you. Welcome to the University of Pleasure, where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation. I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. And I'm Jeremiah James. I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. Welcome back from your vacation, Doc. Our vacation. I mean, not together. Clearly, we did go on vacation together. No, I would not. I would not. (laughs) Why do you say like that? Why do you say I would not? Just, I want to be really clear about that. <laughs> I would be really I, spend, I get to spend a lot of time with you, so I'm good. So what I'm you're sure. saying is you were vacationing from me. Yeah, I mean, not completely, but in part. Welcome back, folks. We are back after a week hiatus where we went on, as the doc just made very clear, separate vacations. Because she was trying to also vacation from me. That was a little painful, Doc. I'm still a little stung. I just think honesty is important, so, you know. (sighs) Fine. I wouldn't want to go vacation with you anyway. (laughs) Okay. I'm glad we settled that. (laughs) Yeah, so there. So, you know, (laughs) what is it? It's like that movie Waiting where it's like, I quit. And he goes, you're fired. You can't fire me. I just quit. You're fired. (laughs) Sorry. It feels just like that. It's just like that. (laughs) Anyway... We hope everybody had a wonderful holiday, um, 4th of July. We hope you all had sex for America and found some time for a little bit of pleasure in your life during these difficult times. Thank you to everybody out there that continued through the holidays to help keep us safe. And uh, and thank you to all of our listeners who are taking the time to find pleasure and learn and grow and learn about each other and treat each other with respect and kindness always. So. Now that's all said and done. We have a couple of great topics today. The freedom of being filthy. How to talk dirty. Okay. I love that it was freedom. I love that we just came from a celebration of freedom. And it's all just kind of intermixing for me right now in a great, great way. So why don't you give us some understanding about how to talk filthy have the freedom to be filthy, talking dirty. Give it to us. Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to yeah, see I you. I might be just a little <laughs> bit excited. I'm just a, a lot. There's a lot of words. <laughs> I apologize, Doc. I'm gonna dial it back. Okay, and I'm just gonna. You do you know how? I oh, oh I really like to believe I do. Do we know how? <laughs> 
to do that. Okay. Well, you know what? Life is all about change. Okay. Thanks. So, <laughs> yes, today I think it would be good to talk about dirty talk. So I think probably before I would talk about how to, maybe talking a little bit about what it is. Yep. Right. Which, you know, Let's a lot of people might be like. at the very beginning. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people will be like, oh, well, no, duh. I know what dirty talk is. But I do think that sometimes it's a, you know, it's a little bit vague, right? Like, because what is dirty to one person might be completely benign to another person, right? Like, dirty talk is really a continuum, you know, for some people, um, you know, just even being directive in a sexual encounter, right? Like saying, yes, I like that or right there, right? Like that might feel like dirty talk. And for somebody else that might not feel dirty at all, but, you know, they think of dirty talk as like, you know, being more sexually explicit, sharing a fantasy, talking about something, you know, a little bit more lewd, less uh, PG-13. I dig PG-13 though, because sometimes it's really cool to have like, you know, you might see a little bit of nudity but not a t not like the whole kit and caboodle and sometimes it's better to not see everything because it leaves your imagination running wild would you agree there, oh i i mean that's a separate conversation but i absolutely think there is an eroticism to subtlety oh that's a t-shirt that's another t-shirt <laughs> i think that there's an eroticism to subtlety is that what you said <laughs> did i say that right and back at you yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I think that that's uh, that's uh, that's why people like Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> <laughs> totally, like, totally. Real, real subtle, real subtle. <laughs> Re that is super, super subtle. All right, but I know that I'm getting off topic here. But let's get back into topic. So more PG-13. I'm with you. I think our listeners are with you. Let's talk a little bit more about that. Well, I mean, I I do think in general. So some people are just fine with dirty talk, right? Like this I love is it. true. I'm a huge fan. We talk. I'm a huge fan. Can I just say that I love dirty talk. I love it. I'm trying to dial it back, so I'm trying not to go too. I mean, crazy this feels my excitement. not surprising to me. I just want to. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> it did take me a long time to be comfortable with dirty talk, though. I have to say, because when I first started, it kind of started naturally. Where I would just say things like, you know, the the obligatory, oh, my God, or you feel so good or what have you. And then every once in a while, some other stuff would come out and I would kind of be like, I had this impulse to say this. And then on reflection later after the sexual encounter, I'd be like, well, I should have just said it. But then when I say it in my brain, not in the sexual encounter, I would think I sound like a fool. So and I think that might be something that a lot of people run into. Maybe I'm wrong. Mm well, no, but I think that that is a very good point, Jeremiah, that context matters, right? Like we've, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I wish you, you, could you see you, him you, right now. He looks so proud of himself. That's right. Um, <laughs> it's like my Captain Morgan pose. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. But context does matter, right? Like we've talked about that in different ways in episodes around how, you know, that when you're in a roused state, certain things like we've talked about it with like sensory experiences, certain things that might feel good or touch that might feel good when you're aroused in a different context might not feel good at all. Right. We've talked about it with disgust cues. Yeah. Like how certain things like something like saliva. Right. In a sexual context. Right. Might not be that disgusting at all. Or it might even be arousing. But in a non-sexual context, kind of gross. <laughs> so right, right. context absolutely changes things. So that's actually a really important point, right? That Thank you, what may or may not feel dirty, right, also depends on the context that you're in. And I don't think that you're wrong that when people overthink dirty talk too much, right, or they become sort of analytical about, oh, should I say this? Should I not? It immediately starts to feel kind of awkward. Yep. And that's probably one of the big things that keeps people from doing it, right? A lot of people don't want to do it because they're afraid of sounding stupid or they're afraid of. Yeah, that was 100% me. I was totally awkward and didn't know I was uncomfortable and weirded out and felt weird out of context. <laughs> okay. <Right. laughs> Again, this is not a podcast about me. <laughs> are we Are we sure? <laughs> mm, it's debatable. <laughs> okay. In all honesty, though, what can – what? how does – how does dirty talk enhance a moment? How do we how do we utilize it in a way that is a, a positive thing that people can kind of grab hold on, Doc? Yeah, well, I mean, I think 
right? I think sort of it's like, what's the sale p- sales pitch, right? Like, why talk dirty, right? What would be the reason to do that? Well, you, you use an important word, enhancement, right? Like, so one of the reasons that it might be a useful skill, right, is because it can enhance neurotic experience, right? Engaging in that type of sexual communication, right? So like communication that's not just physical can allow people to feel more engaged and more connected with their partner. And the other thing is that it's a sensory experience, right? Like speaking, noises, sound, like these are all sensory experiences. And often the more senses you can pull into a sexual experience, the more engaging it can be. Um, And also silence during sexual encounters can be difficult. Oh, it's so difficult. Okay, let me why just say you, this. Let why me just do you say find this. it difficult, Jeremy? I find it very difficult. And we've talked about this in past episodes. There's no roadmap, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody out there listening. And people. And people. Okay. And people. There, there is, There's no roadmap to what is going to give you pleasure if we don't know. And, you know, if you can just give a little bit of info, like, mm, that's great, or yes, I'm happy, you know, that that goes a long way for the overall experience to be able to also go, no, you're doing this right. You're doing this correctly in a way that's going to help me get to where I need to be or where I would like to be. Am I saying anything improper here? Yeah, no, I think that you're sort of making a pretty good point, right? Which is in silence, right? It becomes really difficult to express or gather feedback about what you like or you know, gather that feedback about what someone else might not like or what they might enjoy or what might be going well. And and I also think that silence also just like in when there is that lack of feedback, right, people can start to create their own stories. That's exactly right. right. You start getting worried and you start telling yourself like, well, I'm clearly not doing a good job here because they haven't made any sounds and they're probably very unhappy. And that's what you mean by making your own stories, right? Right. Like people can start to like build their own narrative around like, oh, they must be quiet because of A, right? They might be quiet because of B. And like we all get stuck in our own insecurities sometimes, right? So it's easy to kind of engage in some confirmation bias around that, right? Where it's like, oh, I'm worried about this thing around my, you know, uh, sexual abilities. And now all of a sudden this person's not giving me any feedback. What if that thing that I'm worried about is true, right? Like, let's say someone's worried they're, I don't know, not good at oral, and then they're performing oral, and someone's totally silent, but maybe they are perfectly good at oral, but the person's silent, so the person's going, oh, no, maybe I'm not good at oral, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. And then sometimes what can happen is over time, if people have no feedback, then they might stop doing something or that you actually really like. They might not stop doing it, or maybe they're doing it in a way that you really like, but you're giving them no feedback, so they start doing it in a different way. And so that it's not as good as it was. I mean, there's all sorts of different directions that can go. So sometimes silence can become a a really big barrier for people having, you know, the kind of experiences they want to have. So basically what you're saying is give us some feedback, you know, dirty talk can be feedback itself. And that can enhance the moment and help people not be insecure. How'd I do? I mean, yeah, pretty good. Right. And I think that, like I said, it can also, um, you know, it can also sort of add this. And I don't know, we've talked a ton about this piece of it, but can it can add this bigger piece of eroticism as well. Right. It's a way it's a way to maybe share fantasies. Right. It's a way (laughs) to maybe start to share some stuff that would feel really awkward to share in a non-sexual context. Um, You know, if all of a sudden, you know, you're you know, let's say you're trying to share a fantasy just over eating mac and cheese at the dinner table. That might feel a lot more. It's only a fantasy. It. Huh? If there's ketchup if. on my mac and cheese, then it becomes a really sexy fantasy because mac and cheese. I love mac and cheese, but mac and cheese with ketchup is a delicacy that I know I'm getting a little off topic here, I but feel I'm just like I feel like maybe. Maybe no on this one. <laughs> I'm just Both saying. The idea that's... of ketchup on mac and cheese and it as a topic generally. Okay, Doc. I may like that and I do like that. And you should not judge me because I happen to you like that. And that is you know my what, fantasy. Jeremiah, you are right. I should not yuck your yum. You are correct. That and was I amazing. Apologize. You said not yuck your yum. I don't even know. That's just, I just, I'm floored by you so often. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> 
like that. Wow. Perhaps Yuck, you you're should yum. get back on topic, Jeremiah. I'm sorry, but you did say mac and cheese, and I did start having that fantasy, especially about the cut. Okay, the point is, back to what you were saying. Continue, please. Yes. Well, I think that really, you know, it's just this idea that it could be a space, right, where it becomes a little bit easier, interestingly, to share certain sexual fantasies or to say things that maybe in a non-sexual context would feel awkward, right? It, it allows maybe a little bit more boldness around some of those things. But again, I say that, but you you brought up, you know, sort of something in important, I believe, a little bit earlier about this idea of, of, of practicing, right? Like if you want to be able to uh, be good at dirty talk or even just feel remotely confident, you're going to have to practice. And I think, you know, as we often talk about, sometimes people are like, oh, I, I, I'm just not good at that, right? Like I might be having um, a conversation with somebody about why they don't engage in dirty talk, even though they want to, or maybe say their partner wants them to, and they're like, ah, I'm just not good at it. Well, as we talked about in some previous episodes, of course, you're not good at it. You haven't practiced, right? And things are invariably going to feel awkward and uncomfortable unless you, you know, do a little work to take some risks and to fail and to get back up and to try them again. Um, so I, I think that the practice is a big component of this. All right. But, okay. All right. What if you're an intensely religious person and you don't like using curse words? What then? Like if you'd like things like uh, say, you know, like F this and yes, F me harder or all that kind of stuff. I mean, I don't know why I'm <laughs> saying F this. I mean, it's a podcast. I can say fuck if I want. But my point is, <laughs> what, what do you do then? What is there? How do you talk dirty if you can't use curse words? Did well, I stump I you? Mean, no, not really. Huh. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Shit. I thought I had a, you there. There's a lot of words in the human language. <laughs> I really think that Okay. You... Well... <laughs> Find some uh, find some synonyms, right? Like, I don't know that... Also, I mean, I don't... There's lots of people that maybe don't like swearing or language that feels more vulgar, right? Beyond just religious reasons, there might be a number of reasons that someone might not be comfortable with that. But I think talking dirty doesn't necessarily mean that you're being vulgar, right? It can, it can be something as simple as, like, talking about how much you like what someone's doing, right? Like, that's a style of dirty talk, even almost like narrating okay. no, that, that is actually a very good point yeah just being like no i really love that that feels really great okay i'm with you i'm cool i'm cool yeah like or just kind of narrating what you're doing to them right like and and i don't mean in like a sportscaster like sports announcery kind of way <laughs> sorry this is really made me giggle swing better that was a terrible impression I did, but you know what I mean. I'm with you. Um, so I, I think there are a lot of different ways that this can happen. And when I say dirty talk, really all I'm using that is, is a kind of overarching term to talk about like speaking sexually during a sexual experience, right? Engaging in some type of sexual verbalizations during a sexual experience. Okay. All right. But But I do have some tips about maybe how to, how to help yourself along if you don't have much practice in this. Doc, that's what we're here for. We're here to okay. learn. This is the university. Yeah, nobody of wanted to hear any of this other crap. N nobody wanted to hear about my ketchup. Okay. So <laughs> just Well that I feel confident about. <laughs> okay. Don't yuck my yum. Oh, that's so good to be able to use that right back. <laughs> so, it's so not good. mine. I can't take credit for it. <laughs> I don't care. It's still brilliant because it came from you. All right. Give us some tips. Of the trade. Um, well, I think for me, and this is probably m the most important rule from my perspective, which is the rules of dirty talk are like the rules of comedy. If you're going to do it, commit. Amen. Right? <laughs> right? So if there's anyone out there that ever has watched comedy or, frankly, if you've ever done it, you probably know what I'm referring to, right? Like, if somebody kind of half-asses something, you know, like they're sort of kind of going to tell a joke, <laughs> but then they... They don't jump all the way in with it and commit to it. It is so awkward and it's so uncomfortable. Totally. As a performer, Jeremiah, I'm sure you are well aware of what I'm referring to. 100%. No, and, and even honestly, without even making a joke in the bedroom, like don't just don't be like, um, oh, yes, it's great. Like, no, commit to it. <laughs> like, cause then. Well, and that's my point, right? Yeah. Like, if you're going to go for it, try to and I know that it's easier said than done but I I kind of you know I made that reference earlier about it's a little bit like double dutch right where if you're going to jump jump 
Um, you know, and a lot of times people hesitate is because they are afraid of looking stupid or they're afraid of failing in some way. And the reality is, is there's, there's probably very few things you could say that you're not going to come back from, right? Like really, I do think sometimes it's important to ask ourselves, like, what is the worst thing that could happen? You know, if you make some type of awkward comment and let's say someone's like, I really love your butt. (laughs) (laughs) And they just kind of say that, you know, and maybe it feels a little awkward or misplaced or maybe even a little not quite as, you know, maybe not sexy, right? The worst thing that's going to happen is maybe you have a fun little giggle, right? And there's a little pause. That's not the end of the world. In fact, that is part of maybe what can make an encounter fun, the authenticity of it, right? Like when you watch sex, like sexual scenes in movies, they're often very serious, right? Very serious. And people kind of believe that that is what a sexual encounter should look like. But oftentimes it's not very fun, right? Like, Agre- totally. And it, right. And and most people are, are not that serious, right? And silly things happen during sex that don't happen in real life or silly things that happen during real life sex that don't happen in the movies right so i think there is space for a laugh or a chuckle or a like and, and we've talked about that after yeah. the sexual event what was that what did you scream <laughs> listen i, I told i so thoroughly am on board with this I mean, sex is supposed to be fun i mean look we're not all going to have sex to have a laugh in but it should still be fun it still it still should be funny from time to time weird noises happen things happen and i know we've talked about this in other episodes so Listen back to those episodes to get a little bit more information about that. But these are great tips, Doc, because seriously, (laughs) sometimes everybody will – every once in a while somebody will say something and it might come out a little weird, you know, and you just kind of go, oh, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) I don't know know what I was saying there. (laughs) Hey. Yeah. I I mean like I I think it is a piece of kind of feedback I give to people a lot because a lot of times people will say, well, I'm worried about ruining the moment. And I often will say, well, who gives a shit? It's a moment. (laughs) <laughs> like and moments it's one pass. singular moment, you're going to have another one. I promise. Yep, right. Totally agree. Everyone will move on. And, you know, this kind of failure, right? Like making a guffaw, saying something a little silly or maybe a little misplaced. Like often the worst thing that can happen there is maybe a moment of awkwardness or maybe you have to have a conversation after a sexual encounter that, you know, is a little bit awkward, but these are the things that are relationally building for people. Like these are the things that usually actually enhance relationship health, not, you know, cause problems. And so, you know, these are all, even if you fail, you might actually be doing something good for your relationship. So no, no matter which way you turn, Usually taking risks is something that benefits a person in one direction or another, whether that's tolerating failure or whether that's, you know, having a successful moment because they took a risk. All right. You got some great tips from the doc there on how to talk dirty, how to get into it and practice. Oh, wait, no, you just you jumped Can back. Can I just your say microphone. one more thing? If you about I know I always do this. I know. But. Uh, you don't give me enough time and these things are complicated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very strict taskmaster. Um, <laughs> um, what I wanted to say is just about if you're going to share a fantasy, but it's maybe a fantasy like most people like and I'm probably to be fair talking more about commit like maybe more long term or committed partners here with a new partner. It might be a different dynamic. But like if you're going to share a fantasy that maybe you haven't expressed or talked to your partner about and you just kind of spring that on them during a sexual event. So like let's say something to the effect of like someone shares something like um, I really want to watch you, you know, be fucked by somebody else. Right. But you never really talked about that as a fantasy. Um, that do be prepared that that could take your partner off course a little bit, right? Yeah, that, Only that's not something I think is should be sprung. I think if you're going to want to talk about fantasies in the bedroom, I think a personal good rule of thumb, and again, I'm not a doctor, but I am working on my life coach status, is to very specifically <laughs> the doctor. <Ugh. laughs> Keep going, please. <laughs> I just think you should talk about it ahead of time. Don't blindside somebody. You can't go from A to Z and not have a conversation. And we always talk about that. Communication is key. Don't go from A to Z. Don't be like, you know, very vanilla one day in your be- in your bedroom and just saying, yes, I love the way you do that. And the next day, I'm like, jump into some really kind of hardcore fantasy. Right. Have a well, conversation right. ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. And if you can, or if you do, and again, if you do jump right into it, 
that's fine, but be prepared. You might have to have a conversation that's a little difficult afterwards because sometimes people don't know. You might know that a fantasy is just a fantasy or you might have a fantasy of something you really want to do. But if you haven't talked to your partner about it, they might not know the difference, right? Like they don't know that what you're saying in that moment is maybe just something that's hot to think about. They might say, oh, this is something I now think this person wants to do. So either way, I'm not saying I think sharing fantasies can be super hot. Right. But just know that that's a little bit more of an advanced class. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're going to be doing those sorts of things, be prepared to have other communication around that. There you go. Agreed 100 percent. And when we come back. We are going to talk about F W bees. We'll be right back. And we're back, folks. FWBs. What are we talking about when we're talking about FWBs? What is this topic? Did you have to look it up like I did? A long time ago, but I had to look it up when somebody actually put it on a profile and they wrote FWB. Anyway, the point is, here's your topic. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> that was so excessive. <laughs> You keep that or don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. And here's a topic. But I thought we were friends. With benefits. The rocky landscape of FWBs. I love saying it like that. FWBs. I have a lot of experience in you. FWBs. It's good for you to do it in a way that's confusing to the listeners. <laughs> it'll, <laughs> it'll help. It'll help with the clarification of this topic. <laughs> Excellent. I'm glad that I could be here to confuse the masses. <laughs> <laughs> FWBs, friends with benefits. I thought we were friends. Now, I always, I always had a prepared speech when I would have a friend with benefit. I would always tell everybody the same thing. I've been doing it. I want to say probably since I was. 25, 26, when I had a dear friend of mine who kind of like walked me through friends with benefits because I didn't really even know what that was. I always thought you had to be dating, you know, and I did, by the way, the quotes fingers for those of you who can't see because it's podcast. So I always thought you had to be dating and you couldn't just be friends with somebody who you had sex with. Right. And so a friend of mine explained to me what this was. I literally had to look it up years later when somebody wrote, and then I'm just looking for an FWB. And I'm like, FWB. And I looked it up and oh, friends with benefits. Oh, I know what that is. Mm -hmm. My point is the speech was always very, I, I worked it out kind of like this. I would always say, you know, we're friends who, if you're up for having a sexual relationship as well, that's really great. But I'm not looking for a long-term relationship. I'm not looking for a romantic relationship, but we can be friends and friendship is always first. So if you don't want to have any sexual relationship, no problem. If you do, great. Um, but I'm just looking to have some fun. And, and it was always just about being very honest about where I stood with it and kind of setting those boundaries right up front and making sure people understood that it was from a place of respect and understanding. But still, confusion can happen. It can still happen. Am I right, Doc? It sure can, <laughs> which is why I think it's a useful topic to talk about, right? I think so, too. I think so. I still think there's a lot of confusion out there, even with right. my very straightforward social contract. And you are a paragon of clear communication, so I have no idea how anything would ever fall through the cracks like that. <clears throat> I don't know if that was an insult or if it was... <laughs> I'm going to take it that it was a little bit of a jab because I know I can meander because I'm very self-aware and I'm very humble about my self-awareness. So. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not going to respond. <laughs> I'll keep you guessing. Okay. <laughs> but no, that even with that type of social contract, it still would run into things where, you know, people would not have really understood what, it was that I was trying to get across and I always was very honest and say, you know, I think that maybe we shouldn't go down this sexual route. But that being said, how do we navigate it, Doc? How do we navigate these difficult times where people think one thing, even though you've had a conversation about another thing and friends with benefits is all you're looking for? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the reason that I, I bring friends with benefits up is that I, I don't even know how many people just personally and professionally I've spoken to that are like, well, I have a friends with benefits, but I'm going to, I'm not going to lie. I don't really know what that means. Right. right. I think it's a term that's actually pretty nebulous, right? Like it's kind of hard to define. And I think part of what makes it confusing specifically is friends, the use of the word friends. <laughs> and what does that mean? Right. Because I think when you use the word friends along with that, for some people comes the idea of like, oh, so we're going to have some type of relationship here. Right. And now maybe they don't foresee that as a romantic relationship, but it's like, oh, we might hang. Right. Do what friends do. Right. Like they're right. conceptualizing. No, that's it what I like, would always say. Yeah, we're friends, you know, and people would ask me, well, what do you mean by being friends? Like, yeah, we get together and we hang out. We have a beer. We're buddies. And we you, you can ask you me. Play, about, we play frisbee golf. Yeah, right? I mean, if the moment struck me, I would play a little frisbee golf. I'm not. A, I'm not against it. That we would do those kind of things together, and then if we wanted to have sex together as well, great. And if not, we could still play frisbee golf and have beers. And I also would always say things like, you know, we're friends, meaning like, if for whatever reason we start having sex and then you don't want to have sex anymore, then you can just say, I'm not really into that part of it anymore. But we, I would just say, well, then I would just be a friend and you could call me and talk to me about your new boyfriend or, you know, hey, you know, Jeremiah, what do you think about this? So I always would try to be very clear, but still it would seem it could get murky. Well, and I think part of what gets murky there, right, is that, okay, so let's listen to what you just described. Well, we could go and we could do stuff together and we could hang out together and then we could have sex. A lot of people might say, and how is that different than a dating relationship? Right. Like, yeah. so that just you, you get what I'm saying. I'm there? with 100 percent. Did you see me nodding? That was me like, going, oh, I mean, listen, <laughs> yes, I knew I was going to have a couple of moments tonight on, on this episode where I was going to be like, whoa, OK. So that wasn't <laughs> the first one. Continue. Um. So what you just described, right, to some people is like, well, that sounds like dating. Right. Because the thing that's missing from that, what you just described, and it is really it's abstract, is sort of. You're saying, but not without a romantic sort of component, right? Right. But think, if we want to use nebulous, let's just talk about the word romantic, right? Like, what uh, does very that nebulous. mean? <laughs> does that mean um, I want to have a relational commitment to you, that I have love feelings for you, that I have affection for you? Because you can have affection for friends, or maybe you don't, you know what I mean? It just starts to get very convoluted very fast. And I think that that's why friends with benefits can be such a difficult term or a difficult experience for people to know how to navigate, right? Because some people really like, I think you used a really good example, Jeremiah, and what you just described, right? Like that, that offer that you described for some people, they'd be like, yes, right? And they'd be like, oh, so you want to be actual friends and then also be sexual, right? And they could Correct. hang with that and they could do that. And some other people, you could describe that exact same thing too. And it might break their brain a little. I've noticed that. No, I have noticed that. I have noticed they're like, I don't understand what that means. Like, you could just see like the, the like record skip. They're like, you know, like, so yeah, I I totally agree with that. And, And that is that piece about like, part of it might be like, well, what you just described looks like dating or right. Um, sort of maybe stereotypes around like, if you, you can't have anything like, but one of two extremes, a committed relationship or something that is totally casual and only sexual. Right. Right. And we and we feed that myth culturally. Right. And now don't get me wrong. Some people really would not be capable of what you just described. Right. They would struggle to have maybe those internal, um, maybe emotional boundaries. Right. And it's like, well, if I'm going to be spending that much time with you, I'm probably going to develop romantic feelings or I don't see myself not being able to engage with you and just like keep it friend, keep it sex. Right. That romantic experience is going to creep in there. And to be fair, that's totally fine. Know thyself, right? Right. Absolutely. Um, Know thyself. And I would I would even tell people, you know, outright, like this is where I stand. And if that does happen, you would just you need to be honest and tell me. So, you know, we would have to shift because I don't want to hurt you. I don't want you to feel badly because I can't give you those things or I'm not interested in giving those things. So, you know, I would try to always navigate it in the best, most respectful way possible. Because it, it, it may be difficult for some people and it may be confusing. Yeah. So, you know, you just uh, have to, uh, I think, again, uh, communication. Right. Or also that's just not the way that their emotions work. And, I, and exactly. I'll talk a little bit more about that, which is completely fine. But I think, 
if you've got a bunch of people using the same, so the reason I bring up uh, friends with benefits like FWBs is like, these are, this is a really common acronym that you're going to see on Tinder or Bumble or Plenty of Fish or OkCupid or any of these sites, right? It's a really commonly used term that people use. And sometimes they use it as a way to say, I'm interested in casual sex, right? So some people, some people are actually interested in truly I am looking for friends. It, what you said, I am interested in friendship. And if we can also have sex, cool, right? And, right? and I like a friend who I can enjoy their conversation. I can enjoy spending time with them that I can also be sexual with, but I'm not interested in something committed or something, um, you know, with like a high romantic element. But for other people, they might be using FWB as a terminology to mean, hey, I'm interested in just something really casual. Totally and, agree with you. Totally agree. Because you'll hear, like, oh, he's just a buddy, they're friends with benefits. Like, you guys just get together, you only have sex, and then you leave and you, like, pat each other on the back. Yeah. Okay, well, that, that, that's a little more casual sex than it is friends with benefits. Yeah, but either way, the language has morphed into it meaning this, like, spectrum of things, right? And because the language has morphed into it meaning this spectrum of things, it means sometimes people literally have no idea. And I, And like I said, this is coming up and has come up a lot in just personal and private conversations, right, with people around, like, I have no idea what's going on when they say this, or I'm really confused. Like, for instance, I can think of many cases where someone was like, I was really confused. They said they wanted to be friends with benefits, and now they want me to, you know, go to a museum with them. It feels like we're dating. And right, then I'll be like, right. well, I mean, can't friends go to a museum together? <laughs> like, right, you know what yeah, I mean? yeah, just, yeah, totally. Um, and, or the reverse, right? Like, Hey, they said they wanted to be friends, but I go over there and we're sexual. And as soon as we're done, they want me to leave. Right. Like that doesn't feel very friendly (laughs) to me. Um, and so, you know, I certainly have some of like my biases in terms of how I think people can probably be clear, right. With others about what they're looking for, because I I do think you really don't have to do that because I just showed everybody how to be perfectly clear in the beginning of this. Uh, if you just do what Jeremiah did and does, I've already handled this part. So should we segue? Well, that would be true if it were people that were wanting to operate exactly as you want to operate in the world, but there might be other people wanting to operate in different ways. Okay. I hear what you're spinning and... That's fine. Let's hear some other opinions. <laughs> Let's hear things that might apply to people other than Jeremiah. Other than me. <laughs> um, I think one of one of the things that I would say is is if you're really interested in something much more casual, right? I probably would suggest not using the terminology friends with benefits, mostly because I do think, and this is a bias, right? But I think that the term friend carries a lot of language meaning behind it. Does, it does, but I, that's, I don't think that's biased. That's that's a thing. Like friendship has a, a very broad, open meaning. So right. I, I don't think you're just... Well, I think that people uh, with friendship means that there's going to be some element of emotion. And when I say emotion, I don't mean necessarily romantic emotion. I mean like friendly affection, right? Yes, um, exactly. Camaraderie. Exactly. Um, that you're going to be, you're going to have a little bit more investment in one another than maybe you come over, you take your clothes off, we're sexual, and then you leave. Which is, by the way, totally fine if that's what both people are wanting. Sure. Um, and so I do think that using terms more like casual, or if you are using FDBB, then when you're having a conversation, let's say this is online, right, with somebody or via text when you're setting up a date, being really clear, like, hey, I'm really interested in just having a sexual encounter. And that's pretty much what I'm interested in, right? Because if someone keeps saying like, yeah, I've been looking for friends, you know, like you could read people's cues. (laughs) I'd love to meet more people in this city. (laughs) 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 And you know that you have no interest in, you know, uh, going with them to a museum when hopefully museums are open again, right? Like you have no interest in that, then being honest about that up front is probably going to help save you some struggles, help that other person from, you know, misperceiving some of your intentionality. So that would definitely be one of the things is to really clarify. Or alternatively, if you're someone that's like, no, for real, I'm interested in friends, then really trying to be clear about that. Like, so I just want to know, like, 
I think sometimes one of the best texting conversations or messaging conversations people can have is if someone's using any kind of phraseology. So what do you mean by casual? So what do you mean by friends with benefits? I'm using the same term. Here's what I mean. I often think it's classy if you're going to ask someone to describe what they mean. Also, just offer up what you mean first. You know uh, what I mean? Yes. Agreed. Agreed. I think you're also, frankly, probably more likely to get a response just because, you know, you don't put someone on the spot and then they're like, ah, this is anxiety provoking. I don't, I feel like I'm being, <laughs> I feel like I'm being spotlit. I don't want to do this. Right, right. Do you get what I'm saying? 100%. And I think if, if you offer your sort of side first, I think it's easier for the person to come back. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, um, I also think, and we have talked about this in other episodes, but I will continue to emphasize it because it's so important because people fall into this trap all the time. Do not pretend to be okay with shit you're not actually okay with. Yeah, I mean, for real. Uh, you know, I love that you keep bringing that back because that, I think, is like an Achilles heel of so many people out there. Just just don't pretend you're cool with something. I mean, cool all of something. us. Don't, 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 don't pretend that you're cool with it. You can just say, no, I'm not cool with that, man. Or right, lady, and it is. Or people. I, I want to have compassion around it because it is hard, right? Like, especially if you're feeling lonely and you're wanting to connect, right? Like we do, it's really easy during periods of loneliness to sort of like be like, well, I'm going to take what I, to take sort of, I'm going to take what I can get kind of attitude, right? And that is really easy to do. And I want to, I want to, I think that's a human struggle in many ways, right? Um, but when it comes to this kind of stuff, I think, oftentimes just being honest about what you really want, you're still going to probably get more of what you want. And it's probably going to be much more sustainable. If you go along with something that you're not really into, maybe you'll get a little bit of it, but it won't last long. Right. So it, it's kind of like you're, it's uh you're kind of giving up like short-term sacrifice for a long-term gain. Right. Right. Uh, right. Which some, which is hard to do. Um, the other thing that I think is sort of important and this is a little bit more about that all or nothing narrative that I was talking about. Like things either need to be totally casual or they're like romantic and committed. Right. I do think that it can be helpful to challenge some of your beliefs about what could work in casual style relationships. Right. We've been fed a lot of messaging and stereotypes about like, for instance, like um, if we think of it in a heterosexual dynamic, like, well, frankly, it doesn't matter the dynamic, right? Two people that are, you know, attracted to each other could never be friends. They'll always turn into romantic romantic partners. That's such garbage. I don't, well, I don't know about that. What? <laughs> Come like, on. No, not that it's garbage. I, I sort of agree with you. Oh. I don't know that that's true. Well, right? thank you for agreeing. <laughs> I don't, I also don't know that that's true. For some people, yeah, it. they would really have a hard time keeping those things separate. But there is a lot of people that maybe just for where they're at in their life or, you know, other they have some other relationships in their lives where they're getting some of those needs met where they really could be your friend and That's also right. have sex with you. That's like right. they, they could pull that off. Right. And, you know, I think I was talking earlier in the episode about taking healthy risks. Right. There's no way to know if you're a person that can hang with that unless you try. And part of that means that you're going to have to risk maybe experiencing some difficult feed, like some difficult feelings around that. And, you know, I think it's always from sort of a life satisfaction perspective, it's probably better to take some of those risks and invest rather than invest in the idea of like, I'm going to protect myself so nothing ever goes wrong to try to take some healthy risks. So, you know, all right, so maybe something doesn't work out, but you're saying, but I'm a resilient person and I can probably get through that and I can Absolutely. probably get over it. Right. Okay. I tried the friends with benefit thing and I actually ended up falling in love with this person that hurt. Okay. But you, now, you know, right. Versus being like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to do that because I don't know, maybe I would fall in love with someone. Right. That would be a much more protected approach. Am I making any sense? You're Sorry, making 100% making... sense, and I love it, actually, <laughs> because it really is it, – it's so straight to the point of what this really is. And, you know, when I started talking at the beginning about what was important to me about getting across to people, you know, and, and it goes really also to the core of the univers University of Pleasure in general, which is really just about learning and expanding and your understanding of different aspects. There is not one way to do one thing. And I know I always often make jokes about me, me, and this, that, and blah, 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 but it, the truth of the matter is – 
there are so many different ways, and you really don't know until you experience it. Like me with the swinging lifestyle, I didn't know that I would like it until I was there, and I had to test a lot of boundaries and sometimes have difficult conversations, and it was hard, and it can be hard, but we can get through those things. You can talk through them and get to the other side, and then you could make an educated decision about hey, do I like this or do I not like this? You know, Friends with Benefits is a really great example. And the way you just described, described it there, Doc, was was really great because it was it was very poignant. It was very straight to the point. Like you just, you don't know if it's going to work unless you've gone down that road. And most people are pretty resilient. And if you go and just give it a good shot, you might surprise yourself and go, actually, this might work for me. And it, if I may add to that, it might work just for now. It might be right. just a for now thing. Doesn't it doesn't, you're forever. not, yeah, you're not signing anything in blood here. Like none of this needs to be <laughs> exactly. forever. I mean, I think that's why I talk about resilience, right? Like a lot of people will often be like, but what if the what ifs, but what if it doesn't work out? What I often say to people is, well, then you'll get, you'll get through that, right? That's like right. this is what builds resilience. Difficult experiences are what builds resilience. And life is tough. You need resilience. This is a skill we all need, right? We're, we're living in some tough times right now, right? Resilience is important. Yes, it is. And and I and I think that one of the things that I will often talk to people about is this idea about like be open to changing your mind about what you want, right? It's really easy to make decisions in theory, right? To be like, well, I would never do that. Well, you know, you're making that decision just based on ideas and theory, right? And a lot of times people um, or experiences can surprise you, right? And plans change. Like you were talking about like with the swinging lifestyle, right? Like a lot of times people would be like, what? No, I would hate that. I wouldn't have any fun at all, right? But then they might try something and go, oh shit, the experience of this is totally different than what it felt like it would be in my mind. Right, and what it's I really, thought in my head. And it's really easy to be like, oh, I could never do that. Or, oh, that would never work for me. But unless you take some of those risks, you don't know. And I think often it's, and I get it, right? Like, not, but nobody wants to be hurt. Nobody wants to have stressful or difficult experiences. But what that means is often we become really protective of ourselves and then we don't take risks. And frankly, we know from a lot of research that people that take more risks and experience more failure and get up from that failure are the people that often report way higher life satisfaction. Yep. Agreed. So, you know, you can't measure happiness because it's a fleeting emotion, but you can measure life satisfaction. And so, you know, if we kind of talk about this idea of like, who are the happier people? Well, often they're the people that maybe not everything's going perfect for, but they're the people that keep trying new things, getting back up, learning that they can survive failure and doing it again. Agreed. No, 100 percent. I mean, because it really that's I mean, the more that just like anything, <laughs> You never tried a cheeseburger, right? And so everyone's like, cheeseburgers are so great. You've never tried one. I just don't like them. I just, I don't, I don't think I would enjoy that. But then you might have a cheeseburger and go, well, that is the greatest invention. I love them. You might not want them all the time, right? Yeah. Well, or you might try a cheeseburger and go, well, that was disgusting. Right. But here's the good news. How do you know what tastes good if you don't know what tastes bad? If you don't right? know what tastes bad. See? <laughs> See how I did that? Right, like. Huh? See how I fed that to you, Doc? You, you did. Thank you. I mean, but so much of like, and this is like a very psychologist thing to say, and I know this, but you know, I am a psychologist, right? Like our emotions, we experience them in relativity, meaning, right? Like it's hard to appreciate joy if you don't have sadness, right? And it, it's hard to appreciate love if you don't have loss, right? Like these things, there's a yin and a yang. And, um, having some of these more difficult experiences in our lives, right? Like these are the things that help us know what feels good and know That's what right. we like and appreciate that and have some pleasure. There it is. Have some pleasure. Put yourself out there. Try new things, especially now where things are difficult. You never know. You might like it. And if you don't, you'll understand that you didn't because you tried. It's all about trying. It's about growing, learning. That's what we do here at the University of Pleasure. Am I right, Doc? Can I? You are. And can I make a quick little like it's sort of a PSA because <laughs> we're talking a lot about dating. And I do know right now a lot of people are really stressed about online dating and stuff with COVID and risk and things like that. So I don't want to pretend that that's not going on right now. It is. There are people out there dating. And I always recommend that just like you would in any safe sex practice, right? Be thoughtful about your boundaries. Be thoughtful about your health risks. Try to engage with people in ways that feel safe and secure to you. 
And that's all I wanted to say on that. (laughs) I'm so glad you said that because it really is. It is difficult times. And, you know, I was actually talking to somebody the other day that was saying they were having a difficult time and that they felt a little embarrassed because, you know, COVID and all these different things were really putting a lot of pressure on them and they felt a little embarrassed that they there was pressure. I said, well, no, 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 no. <laughs> we're all feeling that pressure. And it is a difficult thing that we have to face every day and we're facing it all together. And uh, so it is not a, a strange thing. And, it, and I'm glad that you put that little PSA out there because it's important for people to know this is difficult times and be safe yeah, and, and feel safe. And I, and I do think, I mean, just to be fair, right? Like it's difficult times for everyone for sure, but like there are, there are varying degrees of difficulty, right? Like if somebody is in committed partnership and, you know, is a little bit, uh, let's say socially distancing, but they got a whole family and they're living with, but if someone's single and living alone, right? Like those might be slightly different experiences during a time like this. Absolutely. And so there are maybe different pressures that come along with that. And I, you know, and I, and I do like, I don't want to like sit on this podcast and be like, go out there, take risks. And then people are like, yeah, but you know, coronavirus. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Um, hopefully this will come in very useful when, you know, we see some uh, progress, right? Yes, some um, vaccines also, and we're able to go back out into the world in right. the way that we may have known back in the day. Right. But people are still meeting new people. People are still dating. Obviously, they're doing it in much more mindful, much more thoughtful sort of ways because here's the good news. Humans are adaptive, right? People yes, adapt. Are. And we're often going to continue to seek other people, but I always say do that stuff in ways that feel safe to you, that feel secure to you, that go along with sort of, you know, any kind of uh, risks that you might have in terms of health risks or things like that. So I, I, again, I just want to make sure people know that I'm not saying like, it's easy, dating simple right now. No, and I think you just articulated so perfectly, Doc, and I really appreciate you doing that because it is not easy. And please take care of yourselves. Please stay safe um, and and do what makes you feel safe and whoever you may be meeting feel safe. Communication. Absolutely. Respect, respect one another's boundaries. Agreed. Well, that's all we have for you today, folks. Thank you so much for tuning into the University of Pleasure. I'm Jeremiah James, and I'm just a guy who loves macaroni and cheese and ketchup. Mm. Gross. Mm. Gross. And you are? <laughs> I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, <laughs> licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist, and currently auditioning for a new co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody. We will be back next Monday with a new episode. Please stay safe, stay healthy, care about one another, and uh, like the doc said, hey, might even try something new. And even in difficult times, try to find a little bit of pleasure, huh? We'll talk to you next week. This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen and me, Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Felstein. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com. Music